Welcome back to the Inspired Wild podcast. I'm Trevin Stolzfus. I'm joined by Garrett and Tanner. Hey. We are here in humid Kentucky, and we got some rain again. Yes, we did. But it is actually just drying out, and it's just hot and humid now. Yes, but I feel like it's probably going to rain here. Yeah, well, I'm again. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. So, let's. Uh, we got a chance to meet Todd Tackett last night. Those guys left after the hunt, or I should say, not last night, but yesterday on the on the podcast when we did the first part. And uh, if you listen to that, if not, go back and listen to it. You get to uh, meet Todd, uh, who is our gracious host here. Yes, he is. Last night, Garrett set up last night in our hunt it the rain finally stopped we were pretty optimistic and we knew where a bull was <laughs> yeah that was the big key is we had put him to bed um, tanner and trev had both bugled at him kind of had a little bugle off going over there and he responded so we knew right where he was we knew where he bet it i just want to say one thing when he responded he responded more vigorously to my bugles yeah he was actually just bugling because he wanted to but yeah okay so go ahead <laughs> anyway you guys can finish that argument at another time uh it, we finally knew where one was bet at right like we had a play for the afternoon which i don't think it happened for a couple days so i i agree with you trev that that's why we were optimistic going in there uh, he was on a pretty steep slope like steep steep slope yeah, it's... Uh, lots of oaks in there i believe some other deciduous trees uh the canopy underneath was pretty open which is rare here exactly yeah you could see a long ways away which meant there was no sneaking up on him in his bed that just wasn't going to happen yeah and i think that slope's more like old growth stuff so there there is a canopy so it kind of blocks some of that light and uh doesn't allow some of the underbrush to grow which isn't the case with a lot of this stuff that's been reclaimed a lot of it's really thick and doesn't really have a a canopy that'll That'll block that light. That'll block the box of light. So it, you could actually move through that stuff a little bit. Yeah. And it was it was up on a ridge. Uh, he was on the south side of the ridge. On the north side of the ridge would have been where he likes to feed. We knew that he was going to move from south to north and cross over the ridge. And we just walked along the ridge line until we found a pretty good, nice saddle. We were actually and, pretty fortunate. We found a road. Yep. And we had I think been, that's an old gas pipeline yeah, or something it, on something. top. That, we we looked at that and we were like, man, if we could get on top of that ridge. But we were just assuming it was thick and nasty, which without a road it would have been. And uh, we found a road, Tanner and I, earlier in the day. And we followed it up a little bit and it looked like it kept going. And we looked at uh, the Onyx maps and we couldn't really tell because of the overgrowth. But we were pretty sure it followed the ridge. So... That put us there, what, we were at 5 o'clock or so? Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, we were set up fairly early in the day, I felt. Uh, the wind was good. It was consistent. It was really good. But I, I think we have to mention the fact that it's not like one guy going in there and trying to sneak up on him or, you know, a hunting, a guy that's hunting with a hunting partner that stays back. There's five of us going in there. Right. And that changes the, di- the dynamic of what you can do and what you can get away with a lot as we're finding out. And we have, and Kelly, of course, who's amazing, but she is an inexperienced hunter. This is her first hunt. And you have Todd, who is a, a nervous, 
anxious husband wanting her to have good opportunities. You know, I, so we're trying to bring them into a position where it would be hard uh, to get three people. I mean, we always complain about how hard it is to film some of the stuff we do because there's always a cameraman and another person, perhaps, um, and then and then the hunter. Um, usually that other person's running maybe secondary or maybe they're calling or whatever. And so last night we had the opportunity to get in and he bugled at it. He kind of let us know where he was at. And we hadn't said anything. We hadn't called to him. I think he just either bugled randomly or maybe he heard us walking and Which thought we I've, were cows. I've had tons of elk yeah. bugle at So we never noise. saw, yeah. we never said a word. And, and we he, never saw this bull. We didn't, we didn't know for sure which one he was. Right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, there was, as far as we could tell, there was a couple bulls in the area. And so, I mean, we didn't know which one we'd seen a nicer bull and some. We'd seen that nicer one the first day. Yeah. Um, and some smaller bulls and had, uh, there's a couple smaller bulls on Todd's camera. So there was a lot of options. And we, when we got in there, he, he bugled and kind of, and Garrett and I, Garrett and I kind of talked about this. He, it sounded kind of like he had cows, um, but he wasn't, he wasn't bugling like, uh, he wasn't putting a lot of effort into it. Didn't seem like, um, but he was moving. He did sound like he was moving back and forth, which, uh, bulls will do a lot of times, you know, when they got cows better than the trees, they'll go back and forth to check on them. And he'd bugle one time and he'd be down the ridge. And then the next time he bugled, he'd sound like he's right underneath us. So that kind of led us to you know, think that he had cows, um, but we weren't sure at that point. Mm -hmm. So, so there we are. We're sitting at five thirty ish now. We're not very far on the trail that we want to get run that ridge line out, and he's bugling. We're really set. Pretty cool. I mean, it's a pretty pretty sweet deal. Yeah. And then he shuts up. Yeah, and he would shut up. There was a couple times where we threw couple soft cow calls um down there and he was not responsive at all to those he would not bugle at that at all um we never did rip a bugle right there when we were set up in that yeah. location we were trying to get him just to come up the ridge which was a hundred yards yeah. maybe um to come up the ridge and it was steep yeah but it, you know he could have he could have easily popped up on there and we would have had a 20 yard shot at him but he never did yeah, and he, for a while there, he bugled pretty good when we got in there. He bugled, uh, I don't know, four or five times. We got in there, and then he'd shut up for a minute, and then um, he'd bugle a couple more times and then shut up. And then kind of, kind of, I don't know what time it was, but he kind of shut up for quite a while there. So, I mean, there, he just wasn't super fired up, but he was bugling. So, I mean, we we were we were fairly close to him. I think we kind of sat there. I think it was probably when he hadn't bugled for 30 minutes that we decided, okay, what are we going to do? Well, we'd also heard a bull bugle quite a ways down the ridge line. So we're like, okay, he, you know, if he's here, we again understand we had the wind, right? And we just, I wanted to, to be honest, selfish reason, but I wanted to see exactly how far that that road went because we'd seen elk move through there and we knew if that 
road went all the way out to the to the edge to a point that we'd seen some elk feeding on we were going to be in the chips that was going to be a good way to hunt that ridge on other days yeah. if we had elk in there and so, that ridge the end of it has a kind of a nice open spot and there's a little there's a smaller road a two or a two track road below there also that goes around there um and then the road rear on kind of goes down the the top of it but the end of that ridge we'd seen quite a bit of activity on there that's where they they'd pass through that going to bed or we'd see them you know in there in the evening before it got dark so you know if that that road ended up going out there that was going to be a pretty good pretty good little spot i think so we had to go check that out for sure right so we went out to the edge saw a lot of sign didn't hear that bull bugle again and now it's starting to get dark i think it's worth mentioning as we're walking out to that ridge there was a road below with someone in a car honking the horn religiously and someone yelling repeatedly it was almost like they had a dog lost or a person was lost and they were trying to find it it. was constant for about 45 minutes and it was loud yeah and we were we kept saying is he is that person saying they need help or um it sounded like they were saying harley harley and then it wouldn't get an answer and then a little bit lighter you'd hear the horn of a car beeping and it it, they were moving Mm mm-hmm so, yeah, that was interesting. It kind of makes you wonder what was going on down yeah, there. Yeah, and I asked Todd, I said, is that on you guys? I mean, because, you know, their property boundaries right, right there by the uh, railroad tracks. And he's like, yeah, it, he said it could be, but it, most likely it's on the road on the other side. So, but. Yeah, that was, that may have been kind of a. A, could, a yeah. turn off for the bull that towards will, the end. I don't know why a bull would bugle when there's somebody yelling. You know, even it was a, quite a ways, but you could hear it um, from that ridge. So I doubt that, uh, that bull would have fired off with somebody yelling down there. Right. So there could have been another bull off that point. We just never, he never hammered. The, it, the, the exciting part is we're four days in this hunt and it's a totally, it has a totally different feel than the first couple days because the first couple days we didn't hear a bugle hardly at all and it just rained and rained and rained and now we're getting some breaks in the rain the bulls are starting to bugle we're seeing elk um it's a lot well it's, it's just more fun <laughs> i think the first couple days we started getting a little restless like we could barely even make it out of the vehicles just from the fear of taking all our cameras out there yeah. and getting them fried all the time. I and mean, so, if, if we would been have been hunting just to hunt, we could have thrown our rain gear in there and we could have gone and hunted. But it would have been a nasty mess. Then you compound on that, the gear we tote in the, in the woods, and it would have fried every electronic device we had. So we had to make that decision. And we tried to get out there still, first light, last light, even in the pickups, to glass from the pickups to see the movement of the elk. And we did see some elk that way. So um, now we're now I feel like we're actually making some headway. So we're on that point, and what happens? We're starting to get a little bit, what, we got 30, 30 minutes of light left? Yeah, and we were probably... No, we were a few hundred yards down from where we had left that bull earlier and he ended up bugling back kind of in the same spot so we headed back up there and um 
we got right to where almost where we were sitting before and he bugled below and he wasn't very far and then uh so we we tried to get situated get down there a little bit further where we could look and i looked down there and i saw him walking up the ridge probably oh i don't know how far 80 80 yards, 80 yeah. yards or so and it was kind of chaos after that <laughs> well yeah we were all strung out in a line yeah everyone hits the deck when tanner says something and then we he finally moved off and so we moved on up got up and it was a little dip there yeah. Um, so we had to get, and that's what I was trying to do when you guys told me to hit the deck because I was just trying to get through that dip and up to the other side. Again, right. we're completely on the top of this ridge, but the contour of the ridge, you know, does this. Uh, you know, it, it goes down and up, you know, along with that. So as I got, I think it was probably only 40, 50 yards, you know, we get up there. By then we've got Todd and kelly in the front and kind of easing up because we knew that if it was going to happen it was going to happen quick and we look up and there's a cow standing in the middle of the road of the two track yep and And she was looking right at us yeah there was no (laughs) time to uh get in your cow uh, elk position or pull a decoy out i mean it, it happened fast and then she but she didn't really spook she just kind of stepped off the road and i think he bugled well he had so the elk we still had the wind right and so they didn't they weren't really sure what was going on and it's it's pretty dark in the trees i mean it's amazing once you go into those trees how much darker it is so and we're obviously wearing camo and everything so i don't think she really knew what was going on and then she she kind of jumped off the trail and I was like, well, I'm just going to bugle now because if anything, I want, I want that bull to think that, you know, another bull's come in and broke up his herd. So now, I, I want you to, I want to make a point about that because I think that what you did right there, that tactic is very important for people that are maybe learning elk hunt or whatever. Whenever you bump, especially when there's a, a, a herd bull, whenever you bump cows, accidentally walk into them it happens the best thing to do is to bugle because what you're what you're trying to do is you're trying to create that facade that you're another bull coming in and you're trying to take one of his cows yeah so that's what you well did. And i think it matters that we had the wind right too if it, right. if we if the wind would have been bad and that they would have spooked it wouldn't have mattered um and then i probably wouldn't bugle because i mean why educate them like that but yeah when when we have the wind right and that cow kind of spooks a little bit no, none of the other elk saw could see us the bull couldn't see us we were really close so i just bugled and they kind of the cows took off running below us they kind of came back to us a little bit underneath us and just over the hill and i don't think really anybody could see see them down there and then they then they stopped and kind of milled around and i think that that bull came up towards you and no, what happened is I, we set up thinking that you, because you did go to the kind of the right side of the road, mm-hmm. and we set up where the best shot was going to be if he steps out into the road. Right. And so I stepped to the left and got behind, kind of nestled up next to a tree, just trying to stay out of the way. And uh, you started calling, and I could hear him. 
not just him but some of his cows too and they started doing the old button hook coming below us to the left now it was a pretty good drop off to the left Mm -hmm. um i'd say you know it, it dropped off 10 yards in in 10 yards i mean it was so i can i'm to the left of the road they're in the middle of the road and i can see a lot more than what they can see and i look to my left and i see a rat coming and uh, it's making its way and it's either going to come right to me or it's going to pop out on my left and he ends up stopping behind a tree at about seven yards just staring holes through me and i do not move i do not breathe i do not anything but understand kelly is behind me and there's no way she would have a shot because now it's it's directly to our left and he was a i think a decent five yeah i think one of the ones that todd got on his trail cameras yeah, I, I, I didn't. I, th- yeah, I think he was a five by five. But I didn't see him. At, I'm pretty sure it's the same bull that we saw going to the herd. I think there's only one bull in there. So if it was the same bull, yeah, it was just a, it was a five by five. Would have been a, I mean, great bull. Great for, bull for Kelly. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, he kind of wheels around. Not like he's boogered, but I think you called or something, and he kind of wheels around to look, I don't know, to look for some cows. And I took that opportunity to basically lean back and step away from the edge, and he couldn't see me anymore. And I got then back behind them on the other side, on the side you were on uh, of the road. And uh, and understand, the road is at the very pinnacle of this ridge, and it drops off on either side pretty steep. So you're... You can't even go far well, back because yeah, there the was others, a cliff. The other side is just a straight drop, so I couldn't, I couldn't put any space um, between us, and I couldn't drop off the backside. That that was one of the problems. I think he, I don't think he was a super confident bull because he's just there's much bigger bulls in here, and he had cows, and I'm not. I don't know why. Um, so I'm sure he's probably kind of watching his back there. So I, I wasn't expecting him to really charge into a bugle. Um, but if I was able to drop off the backside and let him have the high ground, I think he may have walked up on the road to look off. Um, you know, if he knows right. that, if he knows and he's then, above. And then you would have had him, he would have been right on. Then he would have been right on you guys, but I just could not, it was a, it was a 20 foot drop. Um, Right. on the other side so and it, you're set up with uh, i'm looking at garrett here for those of you who can't see what i'm doing uh garrett's set up with my uh with todd and kelly and uh, there was some conversation going on with those two because that bull was still right over the edge and you could hear it did you catch that what they were saying yeah we we could hear his footsteps and, you know, at that point, I think Todd and I are thinking, dude's right there. And right. if you can hear him walking, they're right there. I don't think Kelly understood where he was at that point. So there was a lot of shifting of positions, um, getting the – Kelly's using a crossbow. So a lot of getting a crossbow in the position of where we're he- hearing the footsteps. And Todd was coaching her almost the entire time. I think there was a lot of, hey, just, just calm down, just relax. Right. He's trying to be kind of a calming figure out there. And uh, Kelly said after the fact, she was pretty worked up. She she was almost scared about all of it. She, she, why was, was she scared? 
I think that's the first time she's ever been in that type of proximity to something that's that big. And plus, it's all the adrenaline of this is her first time. I'm sure she's feeling a little bit of pressure of that. She knows how special this is to Todd and to the family. And I think there's there's some of that behind it. Well, and she even mentioned the fact that uh, she was scared uh, that even if she shot it, it would still run her over. I mean, she was like, I was, I was, and she has that Southern accent, so I can't even do it. But she used to talk about, I was scared for my life. I, I was afraid I was going to shoot it. And then it was just the momentum. It was going to run over me. And we never had this close encounter with either Landon or Ashton. I mean, we're talking less than 10 yards. And um, now he didn't bugle in her face because I think that would have even been ratcheted up the adrenaline but he was right there and you could hear him when he'd turn his head he'd you know and he'd hit his his antlers would hit the the branches and stuff um so it was pretty exciting and i think even though she said she was quote unquote scared i think her adrenaline was just pumping and she was super excited about all that like i i have a feeling she's getting hooked to this and she's definitely going to want to continue this Right. And that, that was pretty cool to, to go through all that. Oh, it was. And, and uh, you know, it's hard because you and I were talking about what we'd do different next time. And I think in that situation, I need to just put my bow down and help you. Either I need to run a decoy, run a camera on you, let you call, or I need to help call. Something yeah. I need to do because me there, I, yeah, I could probably shoot it, but the whole point when we're taking them is for Kelly to have the shot. And um, so I don't know. I've, I've been kicking around the idea of whether or not I even take my bow when we're taking them out. Um, but you know how it is. You go in and get in a situation and a big bull comes in and I could have killed it and she doesn't have the shot. So, you know, what do you do? Or she puts down a good shot on a bull. And here comes the bigger bull to check right. things out after the fact, right. and you're sitting there with, with no weapon. But I do think I'm going to, uh, next time I might back up with you and either grab your camera just to get another perspective as, as call. And understand Tanner, for those of you who haven't followed us, Tanner, I met Tanner because of his calling ability, at Facebook really, but... I asked them, well, it's the first thing I asked you. So wait, let me set the scene. Unit 61 tag took me 13 years to draw it. And we were like a day or two out from making the trip. I think I posted something on Facebook or Instagram or something about it. We're getting ready. And you p- you PM me or you commented on yeah, it? Yeah, I think I commented and, and just asked if you wanted. Because I, I spent a lot of time in that unit, so... I mean, and it's not like I'm going to hold, you know, a, a big secret of, you know, it you take it takes 14 years to draw the tag. So, I mean, it's not like I have a secret spot that I can hunt every year. There. Right. Uh, it's like a goat tag or a, a bighorn sheep or moose. It's, it's going to be so rare that you get to hunt it that you want people that draw it to have a success. Right. To, yeah. Because the chances of the animal still being alive when you draw it again <laughs> is pretty slim. Yeah. So. So um. So I got a hold of. Uh, we got together, and the first question I asked Tanner is, "Can you call?" And he said, "Yeah, I can call." And I said, "Great. Then meet <laughs> us up there. Not only do you know the area, but but you can call." And the, the problem was, 
uh, I had Dustin and Cody, and neither one of those guys could call. So I was and I was hunting with a buddy of mine, Sean Hicks, who is a great guy. But Sean doesn't call. He yeah. just, I mean, he's killed some big bulls, but he's usually does it by letting them talk, and he just sneaks in there and kills them. Um, where I like to call, and so um, in the past I've had Dave or Adam, you know, her great callers. Yep. And I'm not the best caller. But I've called bulls in. Um, I called bulls in. I probably was more successful calling bulls in when I didn't know what I was doing. You know? <laughs> yeah, when you, I just had a simple little... Well, you tend to overthink out calling. I mean, not you, but just Yeah, in general. So, so I tends to overthink it. So Tanner is pretty much the default caller. And um, when we're on elk hunts, because... It's you know it's second nature. He can go back. He can he, you guide you you do all these things. Yeah. You know what to, and I can't do that. I I shouldn't say that. You can call bulls into yourself. It is possible. People do it all the time. I think Jason Phelps was. We were listening to a podcast where Jason was talking about that. I think there's been one bull that his wife called in, and the rest he's basically basically been calling for himself and called bulls in. But it's hard to film that. Yeah. Because you've got you, and then I've got Garrett over my shoulder or, or whoever. And so it's nice to be able to, to do the quote-unquote primos-type style where you get back and hopefully pull them over the top of us. Okay, back to our story. So with that being said, I think next time um, when we're with them, we'll try a different strategy. But that was exciting, especially for five people to get within 20 yards of the herd and end up being about seven yards from the bro- from the bull, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. I, I think. I mean, we that's kind of what we needed. That's what I think all of us needed was just an encounter because it was just. I mean, we were seeing a few elk here and there, but we just weren't able to go after them a lot of times due to rain or, you know, they'd be into the thick stuff before we could make a play, and so I think that was good, and I think. It was good for Kelly to kind of, you know, see what that's all about. Cause, I mean, I, I the first time that you're into elk close is, it's it's awesome. So that was a cool experience. Yeah. And so we came back. They had to jet, take care of some stuff today, and uh, the forecast called for a break in the weather this morning. It rained most all night long. Matter of fact, it, twice I woke up and it was raining hard. And uh, and then we got up, um, got out, got on our little glassing point, and we went in the truck. Yeah. Because we were expecting it to be raining, and we wanted to be able to glass. And the side-by-side, we knew we would just end up getting soaked. So I think I was on my second game of solitaire because um, it was still pretty dark and a bull bugled. <laughs> And Garrett is sitting behind me in the in the truck, and he's like, "Well, there he is." And I looked, we looked up, and he was what a uh, 150 yards with the cows. Of course, it, again, it, we'd sat there since dark, and they were just moving off. And he bugled once, and I'm like, "Oh, it sounds like he's." Garrett says, "He's right there," and sure enough, and it was the big bull that we saw the first day. Yeah. Um, in the in that meadow that had gone off and and worked his way you know out of there yeah and he had that morning the first time we saw him he had 
20, 30 cows with him. And what do you have this time? Eight, nine? Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I only saw like four. So. Well, and from years past, that's what we saw. Um, again, Kentucky. When you think of Kentucky, you think of, at least I did, big elk because they kill some big elk here. There's 11,000 elk. They don't give a lot of tags away um, in the draw. You know, they, they do a pretty good job of managing it. But they do kill some pretty big elk. What I noticed was the bull-to-cow ratio is really good. Um, the first year when Landon killed his bull, that he was 364. That was a big bull, and he had six cows with him. Yeah. And I know that because I hunted him for six days. I found him and hunted him with a bow for six days, and then we killed him with a rifle with Landon. And I, I just couldn't get it done. We couldn't get him. I couldn't get him close that last where I could get an arrow in him. Mm-hmm. And but he always just had four or five, six cows. He never had, uh, you know, you didn't, you don't see these herds like in Colorado where a big bull move in and have twenty five cows. Yeah. So I was really surprised that first morning when we saw that bull, and he did have quite a few cows. I, we were, we all asked each other, where are the other bulls? Because normally, if there's that many cows, there's five bulls in there. Yeah. And I don't know, and we still haven't seen the the number, you know, one one really nice bull um so i'm not sure why why that is and why that five point had yeah however many however many cows he had yeah so um so this morning we noticed and the first thing you said about that bull was he's limping and boy did he have a gimp yeah it was he did not have that the first he was struggling to get through that i mean almost like he'd been shot in the shoulder or or maybe taking a you know, but I I couldn't I never saw yeah, there was any no marking. Wound. Yeah, there's no markings on him, uh, but he was definitely hobbling through that field. Yeah. So um, something had happened in the last what is it two days yeah. since we last saw him because he wasn't doing that when we first. He might saw have him. just been so stoved up from having to stay put because of the rain. <laughs> <laughs> he got up and he's, he's just, just he's an old bull. Yeah, he's, I mean, I think he is. He's got a big body on him. So. We decided to make a play. I think I said, hey, should we get up there and watch him? And you said, no, why don't we just go around here and kill him? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good idea. So we actually moved back around, and we got on a a road that we knew about, which is where I killed my bull last year. Mm -hmm. And so we were familiar with the area. And we got up in there, and the wind was a little, little hinky. And he was not bugling like you would expect a bull with, you know, touting his stuff it seems like he was being pretty tight-lipped yeah so we worked down this ridge this ridge is probably 250 yards long and we get about halfway down it and i'll be darned if we didn't look up the road and he steps out right at the point because then Mm -hmm. it dropped off pretty dramatically after that and we're i think i uh wind's picking up a little bit if you can hear that sorry about that people um I ranged him at 140 yards, and he was moving pretty slow. So we started working our way towards him, and he worked his way off over. And so that allowed us to move quiet, but but still move a little. And, and, and the wind was fine. It was a crosswind, taking it from the south to the north, and he was going off the west end of this ridge. 
And uh, so we got to the top, and I looked down, and he's 30 yards. But it's through some thick stuff. And that's when you notice that that cut around. Yeah, it's some kind of a road, uh, power line road or a gas line or something that cuts off that the, that point. So it, I, I kind of figured that's where he was standing in right there was that road. And it, so we were able to get around on that. And we got around. And um, I think we'd gone 20 yards around and not quite where I'm expecting him to be, but he's down below us a little bit more because we had to backtrack a little bit. And there's a cow that pegs us, and there's three objects in the middle of the road, and we just freeze, you know. So she's looking at us, and but she didn't spook, and she kind of worked off. And so we started, and I probably hadn't gone 10 yards, started going down a little bit further, and I notice another cow that is at that juncture about 70 yards away in the road and I'm watching her and I look down and I see antlers move and it's steep enough that I think he's bedded and so I, I think I told you I said he's I think he's bedded he's right here so you got up and got on him with the camera and um I'm ranging and ranging, and we work a little bit closer, and he feeds out a little bit. Turns out he's not bedded. When I thought he was trying to get up, he's just trying to walk. Yeah. And uh, so we end up, well, basically five minutes. Yeah. Maybe five minutes. Just And I work down. I'm on this big ledge a rock ledge but it's it's not a drop-off it's just there's it's solid rock and then it you know you step down maybe eight inches and you're in the roadbed and but it's slippery and muddy and and i didn't want to try and get close the distance and i'm ranging him what i think is him and i'm getting 30 yards 32 yards 30 yards 32 yards and i'm ranging his head i'm ranging his butt you know all these things and i'm pretty consistent i'm pretty sure i'm getting a consistent reading and uh, he is totally away from me like pointing away from me feeding feeding he's feeding yeah the cows have moved off you know which totally direction he, you know he's gonna follow the cows away but he's just feeding All right and so i really can't move i want to get to the left and have a better sh- shot angle but I'm, I know that most likely that movement with all of us is going to cause him to, to, for him to notice us. Wind's right, and uh, he keeps feeding, and finally he feeds enough to where he's quartering away. <sighs> what do you do? I range him again. I range him again, and... Um, Everything seemed right. I, I wasn't, I mean, I turned and talked to you a little bit. I, I wasn't, like, super jacked up. And then he's feeding, 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 and quartering away, and I came to full draw, made sure you were ready to go, came to full draw, and uh, possibly, well, he, you know, definitely probably the biggest bull I've ever shot at in my life. Mm-hmm. 
and um, I don't want to put a score on him, but I, we can put an age on him. He's definitely got some age. He's a, yeah, he's a, old. Six, seven, maybe eight year old bull. Mm-hmm. And, eight uh, by seven. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. And uh, yeah, that was that was eight points by seven points. Just yeah, thanks. You were. And I set on my thirty yard pin right where I want it to go. And I remember even thinking, pull through the shot. I mean, I was collected. And I shoot. And he kind of, his back end kind of drops. And he kind of takes a few bounds out there. The sound wasn't, wasn't like I hit a shoulder. It wasn't like I hit a pumpkin. It was kind of empty. Um, so I don't know what the deal is. You cow called right away. Yeah. As soon as I shot. And, uh, and so I, I head down there right away, find the arrow. And there's not a speck of blood. There's no hair. There's nothing. And I look back and I actually had you go back to where I shot from and I ranged you. And I was 15 yards short. Yep. Caught that so, grass. There was some grass that was coming up that I could see through fine. Um, I, I really wasn't even concerned. It wasn't like I was shooting through it because I knew the arc of my arrow was going to go over it. Mm-hmm. And where I was aiming was where I could see the bottom of the grass and his, bottom, uh, and his body anyway. Except that my I had ranged, and my rangefinder was picking that up, and he was another 15 yards. So my heart fell, and it's hard. It's hard. We came back, looked at the footage, and we frame by frame by frame by frame, and um, he wasn't spooked, other than something happened. But he wasn't like, "Oh, I'm out of here." Um, matter of fact, he ran about. 50 yards and, and kind of stopped and looked back and I was trying to get around to see if I could get another arrow what I thought was another arrow in him and he saw me move and then so he worked on down the hill but um, he bugled what three four minutes later yeah he bugled trying yeah, to I think he bugled twice trying to get his cows back gathered back up and uh and so I missed him. And um, I have mixed emotions about that. Um, one being you, you do all this preparation and you could just hang your head and want to cry. And the other is, wow, what an awesome, awesome opportunity. I feel like if I have the emotion and I entertain that emotion of, dang it, I, I might have missed I might have missed the bull of a lifetime. I might have missed my opportunity on this hunt to kill a true giant for me, which is a giant. You understand if I kill a 300-class bull, I'll do that all day long. I, I, I'm just not a super trophy hunter. Um, but I do know that the opportunity to kill a big bull is here. Uh, we've seen him in years past. Um, and that was a big bull. So if I entertain that, and I and I wallow in my own self pity. I feel like I I disrespect that opportunity to get the three of us. We didn't call that bull in. 
Yeah. We snuck down on that bull and his cows. I mean, that's something to be said. And it was cool. It was a, a, a amazing uh, experience, one that I'll remember for the rest of my life. Uh, so I don't. I want to. I want to rejoice in that versus wallow in my own self pity that we're not packing him back up the ridge now, because I think that would that would be the wrong way to handle this. Yeah. Even as even as disappointed as I am that that I and, I, and of course I came back and what did I do? I shot my bow and everything's on. I, I mean, you know, it's 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 it, it was literally. Uh, a misjudged, misjudged uh, distance, and so I mean, I guess you could look at that and go, "All right, well, why didn't you just look at that?" And as I think, play it back through my mind, I'm like, "There's no way he's 30 yards." I was shooting the target out here, and I'm like, "That bull was not 30 yards. I should have known he wasn't 30 yards." But my rangefinder continually, continually, continue, and I think I have a clear line of sight to get that range and it's and i'm not so you you do the best you can you prepare the best you can and then when that happens you just be glad that you had that opportunity so that's what i'm going to do and he's not spooked um again these elk are a little different than our than colorado elk or where wyoming you know where you spook them and they're two three ridges over i don't think he's going anywhere i think he's going to be right in that area um Kentucky elk, especially in this vegetation, when you bump them, what will they go? Maybe 200 yards? And if you leave them alone, a lot of times they'll settle down, stay right there. Yeah, not far, for sure. Um, I'd say in Colorado, that <laughs> that little herd would be a long ways from here, but I don't think they have to go as far uh, to feel safe again. It's so thick. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of brings you up to speed on our our uh, adventure so far um a whole lot more to share in these last two days than we had in the first three um any any thoughts that stick out to you guys no, I don't, i'm just i'm glad we're getting into them a little bit i think we need to maybe try to find a few more bulls and i think they're around um so maybe that's something we work on too but um, I think that little spot, those two ridges, they're adjacent ridges that we've hunted last night and this morning and got on the elk. I think those are, if we if we hunt them smart, those are really good, really good options uh, for the rest of the hunt. And, and both opportunities we've had, we haven't, they've never winded us. Um, I think that's a, that's a big deal. They're not as spooked as they could be. So. Right, right. And, and. So how do we proceed um, if we want to find more bulls? The way I, in my mind is, you know, we, we, it's like fishing. You know, we dangle, we dangle it out there. We, 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 you know, just kind of flip it out there and, and reel it in and see what, what kind of, what do you, you, you said something about musky fishing. Yeah, Tanner and I were talking about it. It's kind of <laughs> like musky fishing where muskies are notorious for following in your lures and not biting. Well, the more times they follow in, you at least know where that fish lives. And then as the weather conditions change or the mood phase change, then you go back and catch them. So you kind of have a milk run of spots and you just go to each spot that you saw previous muskies follow and at some point you're going to catch them. So I think that's kind of what 
that's the position that we're in right now where we need to find where those elk are so that when the conditions are right we have multiple plays you know in the same day or same day right. and a half i mean if i would have killed that bull this morning um well this podcast would be a whole different <laughs> a whole different tone <laughs> but we're you know what what would we do when kelly and todd get here tonight um how would we hunt with them again um you know, I don't know. We'd have to definitely prospect. And I so I think that there's got to be – we know there's more bulls in the area. And so how do we do that? How do we how do we prospect? Now, we could also go out there in the morning, and there could be five bulls in that area yeah. versus the one or two we've, we've been hearing. We know that can happen. Um, so I, I guess only time will tell. I, um, it's been – it was exciting to say the least – to have what happened this morning happen and um you know what i i I say it all the time everybody you have a a misstep or a a near miss or an encounter and you know that's part of the story you know if we leave today we had a heck of an adventure now we have more time we're not leaving today so my little pea brain <laughs> has kind of gotten so focused now I want to kill that bull. I want to kill that bull. Now that I've got this history with them, it's like, you know, a whitetail that you watch for years and years and you want So we haven't named him yet. We're not gonna name We're him. not gonna name Don't him. Don't get attached. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna call him old Greg. <laughs> No. Yeah, let's call him Old Greg. Old Greg. Old Greg. Mm. I don't know um, how many people have seen that video, and I'm not going to recommend it, actually. No. Yeah, do not do not do a good a YouTube search for Old Greg because... Uh, yeah, don't watch Old Greg. Don't watch Old Greg. Um, but I think for this afternoon, uh, I don't know what time Todd and Kelly are coming in. I'm assuming they're going to come in in time for the evening hunt, but I don't know that for sure. Um but I, I think we get back out there. I'd like to hear him bugle again. I'd like to see where he's at this evening. Um, if we could slip in with the wind right, we could we could literally have another chance of him today. Especially as stove up as he is, he's not going to go far. Well, I mean, I don't. You, I don't think you should make him sound like he's uh, <laughs> like incapable of of running because he did <laughs> run. <laughs> He did run at least. He, he got rid of that limper real quick yeah, when that arrow it, it went underneath It may just be him. a show for the ladies. I'm not sure. <laughs> you think you think he's playing her? I don't know. He could be. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. Dirty dog. Well, he is <laughs> He is massive. He is chocolate. That's one of the things about these bulls. Yeah, they're dark. Dark antlered. dark antlered because of the vegetation that they scrape on. Yeah, and he's got splits off both of his G4s. He's kind of got, got, got a, a crown. And then he's got a kicker off his right G4. Well, not and, a bull you want to miss and, for sure. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and uh, one of the things we'll we'll do is maybe uh, put up a, a video of just the encounter um, where you can see us coming down on him. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, we did a little Instagram uh, story on it today, just showing. You know, you can see me and you can see the bull feeding down there. It's kind of cool, and you get a chance to see. And then, of course, he'll be on the show when that comes out. But. Uh, well, we are wrapping this up. Uh, anything else you guys want to add before we call her a, 
uh, color quits for this uh, part two of Kentucky Elk. And I, I, I think, you know, we talked about being disappointed and being kind of down after the miss, but what I'm taking away is when the encounter, when the encounter was happening, man, I was super jacked. My heart was redlining. <laughs> my oh, yeah. arms are shaking. And like, that's the stuff that I take away from all of that. Right. Not the, not the down part after the miss. Yeah. It's, and you can't dwell on it. Cause you got, you got to go try and make it happen again. There's no, right. there's no time for just feeling sorry for ourselves. So, right. and it, understand, um, I want you real quickly to explain the rig you're running. Because the rig you're running, if I was in your shoes, I would not be running that rig. Because it's not the easiest to get mm-hmm. through the brush, and it's not the lightest. So explain how you've got your, your rig set Yeah, up. It's, it's a prototypical shoulder rig that sits on my shoulder, and I've got two handles in front of me. Doesn't it have a 45-pound uh, plate on the back of it? No, I took that off. <laughs> <laughs> I got sick of hauling that around. This rig is not designed to do what we're trying to do with it. There's... there's cords that are kind of loose uh it's heavy it's awkward but to get real-time footage you know things happen in the woods sometimes seconds matter and i don't feel like i've got time to set up the conventional tripod so i need something that's very fast and very stable and that's what the shoulder rig provides and, and you're that's running why I use you're it. running an fs 700 yeah with yep. Uh, what lens? A seventy to two hundred with a follow focus. Yep. And it's got the Red Rock Micro uh, grips, handle yep. grips. So it and and then you're running uh, uh, a monitor off of that. Yeah, an external monitor. And that's like an eight eight inch, eight inch monitor. Yeah, uh-huh. just to get crystal clear focus. Right. Which I don't always nail my focus. Well, I'll admit that right now. <laughs> I will tell you right now, this FS the Sony FS seven hundred has one of the worst screens the the factory screen yeah it's junk it is junk <laughs> i mean our our canons and your your sony yeah uh, they've it's come a long way i mean how that, that camera's been around for a little while it's still a great camera but. it's a great camera but that's why you're going with that external monitor because uh so what does that whole system weigh it's 80, 85 pounds. somewhere in there yeah <laughs> it's got to be between eight to ten pounds Something like that. I would say it's closer to twelve, but that's I'm a smaller yeah, guy. And then you hook. It's kind of got on the shoulder thing. It's kind of got a little, a little plate that would normally go to a, uh, like you could put a tripod, a tripod yeah. uh, uh, plate on it, and you hook that on your backpack yeah. on the sternum, chest, the sternum strap, the, the chest strap. strap. So yeah. that helps you hold it, but you're still having to then unhook it, bring it up to your shoulder as it's going on. And here I am. The first time he stepped out, you were frozen, and I'm thinking, wow, this is awesome. And I look back, and the camera's at the ground. Well, because you don't want to spook the elk. And I'm like, run the camera on this. But that's a big movement to come up here. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's so much more complicated than my phone, what I film with. <laughs> Tanner, it's all about Snapchat stories, guys. <laughs> Tanner's, Tanner's literally walking around Snapchatting. I, I did get that elk in a filter, though, so that's cool. Was it? Uh, was it? Uh, it's a big mouth filter. The big mouth yeah, filter. It's awesome. <laughs> Except that he didn't, he didn't bugle, so we didn't get the uh, squeaky bugle. <laughs> well, we are now following rabbit trails. So thanks for listening. Uh, we will keep you updated as this hunt progresses. Uh, progresses. Um, well, uh, as always, then get out, find your wild, find what inspires you, and embrace it. God bless. We will talk to you soon.